Welcome back to another episode of the Awakening Bodies podcast. Today's conversation is impactful. Did you know that one out of five Americans is currently dealing with some sort of mental health challenge? Or that the second leading cause of death for people from 10 to 14 years of age, these are children, is currently suicide. We're currently going through one of the biggest epidemics with mental health challenges around the world. In today's conversation, alongside Tracy Wynn and Carissa Fumularo, both teachers and leaders within Atayogashala down here in South Florida, we explore the possibility that can exist within the practice of yoga to be able to alleviate these challenges. This is not a cure-all. This is just a tool that can allow to be able to bring a sense of peace and presence as we go throughout the day-to-day. We'll talk about the sciences of yoga and the way in which it can support us to getting to a place of cohesion. And we also share the NAMI walk that is beginning on October 7th, in which we are raising money to be able to help more people out in getting their life back through some mental health support. Glad you're here. If you feel pulled to share, please do so. This is going to be a powerful conversation. It's going to be a special episode. I'm sitting currently at the Atha Retreat House with Tracy and... Carissa. And I'm excited to explore this conversation. I forgot your name. No, 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 no. <laughs> and they're like BFF. <laughs> How funny. It's blank. That's hilarious. You're looking at me. I'm like, tell me he doesn't know my name. <laughs> and what a perfect time for that to happen as we speak about mental health. Hey. Mm, interesting. So as we're sitting down here, this is a really special conversation because there's a lot of amazing stuff that the ATA team is doing. Tracy and Carissa are both part of the ATA community and they're really big leaders in the space, supporting people and going through their yoga journey, their faith journey. And overall, I'm sure we're going to talk about your journeys as to how you've gotten here so far. Uh, but if you haven't listened to the conversation we've had with Carissa, you can go back and listen to it. We're going to have one soon with Tracy as well to dive deeper into her life and everything her and Spencer and that, that they're up to. So thank you both for taking the time to be here. You could have been anywhere else and you're taking the time to share this conversation. There's a lot of beautiful things that Ata is doing. And again, both of you being a big part of it, what better time to just share with the community what's happening. So thank you both. Yeah. Thank you. First, I just want to say, Sebastian, that you also are a very big support in the community. Yeah. And to me personally as well. So I just wanted to share that with you. So maybe we don't always see our own two ears. We don't see the work that we're doing in the community um, right off the bat, but it's when other people can share it with us and let us know mm-hmm. how supportive they've been that it really resonates. So I just want to make sure that I communicate that to you. Mm-hmm. Received. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Cool. So let's do this. Let's do a quick introduction of um, both of you guys individually, and then we'll dive into NAMI, into the Yata Foundation and mental health and the state of the world where it's at. Cool. So Let's go first. Okay, so I'll start. Um, So I don't know if many people know this, but I spent a decade working in mental health and substance abuse treatment um, from the age of about 20 to 31 or so, so a little bit over 10 years, um, in multiple different facets and um, different positions within um, the mental health arena. Um, And so I'm really passionate about that to begin with. I think that um, it's something that there's been a huge stigma around for many years and that there's a lot of people who are not getting the help that they need. Um, The systems that we have um, set up now are still kind of, you know, working towards getting better and being better to really support those people and the sensitive populations that we have, people with post-traumatic stress disorder, Mm -hmm. um, single mothers of trauma who are trying to raise kids and they have no funds or anybody to support them. all these different sensitive populations um, that are just being left kind of with no help and no support. So 
I've really seen this kind of turn around over the last like 15 years or so personally. Um, and then making the decision to not work in treatment anymore and become a yoga teacher, um, I was really excited to be able to still help people. And within that, obviously, I'm helping myself, right? Because there's the discipline and there's all the workings within it that are not just being applied to others, but they're constantly being reminded to us um, as we're in the teacher's role. But I'm just being able to use yoga as another avenue to reach people and to help people. So when I found out that the, we were going to have the Yoga Foundation and that we were going to be able to do outreach services, I became really interested and excited about being a part of that. Uh, and then being because I've worked in treatment, I have a lot of people that I know that are already in the community that are doing those things and connecting people with care throughout their programming. So knowing like good volunteer programs to be a part of, um, different um, nonprofit organizations that are really working hard to help people in the community. So um, it's just something that I naturally kind of gravitated towards. Um, so I'm really excited that, you know, we're able to get Ata on board with some of the same passions that I already have and had had for many years. Um and specifically this NAMI walk. So the NAMI walk is, uh, NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and they've been around for many years, and they provide a lot of free resources to the community, support groups, workshops. Um, they've done training with the sheriff's departments to try to heighten their awareness and their understanding of how to work with people. You know, here in Florida, we have a lot of homeless, you know, and there's certain states in the country that have, tend to have a higher population of homeless um, or homelessness. And so, um, you know, you'll see that a lot of the time these people on the streets, they'll get locked up um, for loitering or for trespassing or whatever it is, and they get put in jail and then they'll, they're let out the next day. And it's kind of just this cycle that they get put through where they're never really being given the care that they need to kind of get those resources or get connected with those resources to where they can better themselves and actually get into a position where they can come off the street, right? Yeah. So it's just this vicious cycle of like, being put in jail and then letting out. And then, you know, that 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 never changes. Nothing ever changes. So um, a lot of these programs that are being put in the prisons and things like that to help rehabilitate people, you know, um, religion even. I know that's a sensitive subject, so I don't know how deep we'll get into that today. But um, just giving people the opportunity to actually better themselves and to, to find a, a period of time where they're able to see the light and change and grow and actually want something better for themselves. Um, there's kind of like this lingo in the mental health world where it's like, you know, you start at a point where you're desperate and you do something for desperation, right? Like I need to eat my next meal. So I kind of like hope I get arrested, right? Because they put me in jail, at least I'll get a meal. Mm. And then it gets to the point where it's like rationalization, right? Where it's like, okay, well, I'm already here. I might as well like do something to try to see like what's there and if I could change a little bit. And then eventually it turns into inspiration. But a lot of the times these people are never getting to that point where they feel inspired. They're desperate. They get whatever they need, their quick fix or whatever it is to get them through the next day. And then they're back in the same position they were in. And there's no time for them to really change. Um, so NAMI, I feel like they did this really great workshop with the Sheriff's Department um, basically to heighten their awareness on how to help these people, how to respond to these situations with people who are suffering from mental health. Um, and that's a much more sensitive topic than it's kind of like a cultural sensitivity type training, but dealing with people with mental health. Um, so... I did the walk a few times with NAMI, um, with other programs I was working with, and I found it to be a really great opportunity for the community to come together and to kind of work, work, work on something together for a good cause. And um, so I was really excited to get Atsa involved, and we'll basically be meeting at um, Nova Southeastern University on October 7th um, at 8 a.m. for check-ins, and then Atsa will be providing a warm-up yoga session before the walk. We'll be walking at promptly 9 a.m., and then following that, um, at 11.30, we'll also be offering another meditation and yoga session to the community. So it's really an opportunity to teach um, the community 
about karma yoga and about service work and how that really plays a role in, in the yoga lifestyle. Um, and so I'm really excited about that and to get Atta involved. What a beautiful journey and what you're sharing too in regards to the um, rationalization, inspiration. And what was the first one? Aspiration. Aspiration, rationalization, and, and inspiration. I feel like for everybody outside of uh, the, the homeless popula population, I feel like that's a very common thing. Totally. And with this kind of, of walk and this kind of awareness, we would break that stigma. And I know that for the past, I mean, the past three years have done a massive uh, transformation in the mental health space where people that were before not open to exploring these ideas now are. Yeah, I mean, you have people like Simone Biles literally at the biggest stage of her career walking off on her last run because she couldn't deal with it. I give a lot of people peace in, in saying, oh, wow, like this is Simone Biles, one of the most notarized and known athletes in American history, literally walking off because of her mental health. So her mental health was more important than this trophy, which from me being in my space, learning about m mental health and the way in which people are seeking support through different modalities, people are now seeking, which is really bittersweet. Bitter because the numbers are massive, but sweet because at least they're seeking. It's, it's now an open conversation where before it was something behind closed doors and don't let my neighbors know and definitely don't tell my family. Those are the crazies. Right. 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 Wow. Amazing. Okay, cool. So you obviously have gone through a journey to get to where you're at and your commitments to the community, helping people get better, specifically with mental health and yoga has tied into that. Tracy, how about you? What have you, like, what's gotten you to where you're at right now with mental health and with yoga? Obviously, this is something that really moves and inspires you. Yeah, so my whole journey started like pretty much right after college when I was 23. I jumped into corporate America and hated it and became a personal trainer. So I've been in the field of working with people. And honestly, when you're working with people's bodies and you're with them three hours to four hours a week, you basically become a therapist. You get to know them. And when people, when you're working with people's bodies, you're working with their emotional and mental issues that they have around their bodies and and what it means and everything, you know, so um, just being in that from an early age and connecting with people on that level. Um, and then I was just very fortunate to have a lot of different holistic practitioners in my life in my early 20s. So I started to understand through my own journey, this connection between the emotional, the mental and the physical body. Mm. And um, I ended up going into orthopedics and um, medical device sales. And I wasn't just like a sales rep. I actually worked with the patients. And so all populations, um, like kind of like you were saying, like literally I was in the projects for some of these patients. And then I was in multi-million dollar mansions with, with kids to old people, you know, so you're meeting all kinds of people who were severely, severely injured um, and showing them how to use a device you're with them for a couple hours and these people have no one to talk to so you're just talking to them um but the whole journey with yoga um the movement of yoga i taught it for many years before i even understood what yoga really really was so my real yoga journey i say really began like eight years ago mm. um and i left corporate america and everything to go back to being a yoga teacher and was led to delray beach and just happened to move one mile from Atta. Mm. Uh, which at the time was Anutara. And I entered there almost one of the first places because we had one car. We had just lost everything in a hurricane, moved here with nothing, and I could walk to Anutara. And I walked in and I was like, whoa, something is different here. And, um, you know, through, I kept practicing there. Didn't, wasn't involved in the community or anything like that. Um, but 
then as things would happen, I eventually ended up being able to do the training here. And it was truly, truly life changing. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about Atta that um, I definitely noticed when I was a student here and now I take very seriously as being a teacher here um, is that every single teacher here has a major, major passion mm. to help people heal on a mind, body, spirit level. Um, it's definitely not just all about the asana practice mm. or the mm. postures. And um, if there's many studios with that you can check out that will give you just a, a workout if that's what you're looking for. But when you come here, you're really getting this passion from the teachers that is teaching you about this entire journey of how to heal. Um, and a lot of that involves mental health. Mm-hmm. And um, for my own journey, I in my mid-30s, I would say, I entered kind of a phase of life where I was just a hot mess. I was living dual lives. I was partying. I was, you know, associating with the wrong people in the wrong environments, doing a job I wasn't passionate about. And it was very taxing. I was an anxious mess and it was starting to physically affect me. Um, and I entered a hot yoga studio, a Bikram studio with my friend. It all starts with Bikram. It all starts with Bikram. And I hated it. I mean, I loathed it. Out of the 60 people in the room, me, probably the most in shape person in there from playing competitive beach volleyball. I was the one that started getting sick. There were old men laying down next to me and I had to get up and leave the room because I was sick from because I didn't I wasn't breathing, the heat, the holding, the posture. I, I was a vinyasa girl, still am, because it's easier. <laughs> and um, my friend just convinced me, kind of Philip's story. She was like, just don't quit. Just give it 10 sessions. Um, and I was like, that sounds like, like there's no way. But I did. And through it, I started learning, you know, like this this concept of disciplining the mind. And it wasn't the teacher's who taught me, which is something that has always stuck out to me. It was my friend. And she was like, here's the thing. She's like, when you're in the posture, she was like, don't think about that you know what's coming next. Don't think about how much you hate it. Don't count. Don't think about anything. She's like, just concentrate solely on what the teacher is saying and let your body do. And it was the first time that I really understood that I could make my mind focus on one thing. And I didn't have to think about how hot I was how sick I felt, how much it hurt, how much the person next to me was breathing too hard and annoying me, that I could just focus on one thing. And it was really, really transformational in my journey. And I always wished that the teachers had been teaching that in the class, the importance of it, the relevance of it, because I think I would have grasped it a lot sooner. But it was in that that I basically learned how to surrender because if you've never been to a Bikram class, it'll bring you to your knees. It's mentally the most challenging thing I've ever done, more than any sport, any race, any competition I've been in in my entire athletic career. Bikram yoga is what brought me to my knees. Um, and that is the lineage that Atta is in. Um, but I think that's what's so cool and such a blessing about being able to be a teacher here is learning from the other teachers. I mean, Carissa is my dear, dear friend, but she's also my teacher every day. I practice. I'm going to say that last interview, but you said that friend that taught you when you wish it was the teacher. Exactly. All of life is the teachers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that was kind of my, my own journey with it, but it's become a very powerful aspect of what I teach because 
you know, a lot of, of mental health begins, like they say in shamanic societies, that when someone is depressed, it is because their mind is stuck in the past. And when someone is anxious, it's because they're projecting into the future. And we're not really told in our modern day society or taught that you can actually train this mind to work for you and not be bound by your past and not be constantly projecting and planning and controlling the future. And it's a really powerful realization. And that is kind of the main phenomenon behind yoga. That's what Atta means. Atta means now and like the fullness of the power of the present moment. Um, And I think that that's what all of us are trying to teach the students and what we carry into our own lives and share with everyone in our life, really, because it's it's kind of a, a base for all healing. Um, so the Atta Foundation, to be able to work with everyone and to have this passion to bring these profound lessons to other communities that don't get to hear philosophy and psychology and, and theology and all these things on a regular basis, to be able to just bring it to school children, to bring it to teachers, to first responders, I mean, what a blessing. And we're really, really excited to get it going. And Chris has been doing an awesome job just making those contacts and making it happen. And um, it's been really, really cool to be a part of. And just quickly, just she mentioned it to go into it. So some of the people that we're working with is um, NAMI, which now um, we're here to tell everyone about that, but also um, SOS Children's Village, which is a wonderful program um, in Coconut Creek. Um, they're actually nationwide, but their location down here is in Coconut Creek. And um, they're a foster care system that their aim is to keep biological siblings together. Oh. So if there's children who are forced into the foster care system or into the system in general, they can take them and keep them together. So I think that that's like super cool and super important. Mm-hmm. And they also offer resources once they age out of the foster system um, to keep them connected with things that they may need in the community and to kind of help them as they transition out into the big bad world, you know? Yeah. Um, and then we are looking to start working with first responders, the ocean responders and um, the vet, to mm. the vets to the retired vets. Um, so yeah. we have communities too, right? I'm sorry. And we have communities too. And we have communities, yeah. yes. So sober living homes and um, programs that don't normally have their that connection to yoga just to bring it into their into their life, into their space. Um, the The definition of yoga is to yoke, but I've heard it said that yoga is, is literally like the study of the mind. It is mm-hmm. the study of the mind. Mm-hmm. And um, what Tracy was just saying about the living in the past being in a place of depression and living in the future being in a place of anxiety is basically like the three gunas of nature. The yeah. gunas of property, which is um, tomasic energy, is very lethargic and depressed and heavy and dense and very much living in the past, having that regret hanging over your shoulders. And then rajasic is very restless and anxious and irritable and discontent, right? Just wanting to know what's going to happen, that inability to live in the now and to just embrace whatever's mm-hmm. coming to have faith and trust um, in our path. And ultimately trying to find that middle, which I believe is the yoking together, finding that middle between the two where we're in a place of ease and, and grace and peace. And um, we can be present in the moment and simple things like breath work and just moving your body a little bit, um, mm-hmm. practicing the ability to just sit still and to find contentedness in that moment, regardless of what's going on around you. Um, and then with the kids these days too, um, it's like they're so overly stimulated that no wonder why when you when you take all those things away, they act crazy. And now they're getting all these diagnoses with ADHD and and bipolar and borderline and all these things where they're like, you know, what do you want the kid to do? 
Mm. You know, it's like they're so overly stimulated all the time and you ask them to sit down for five minutes, they can't do it. Mm. And it's like giving them these tools to be able to breathe and to move the body and um, and to change the thought in the mind, right? So they say move the body, change the thought. Mm. Um, and so it's really important. And so we're really excited about that too. Yeah, you're both doing amazing work because it's incredible to be stepped into your class. I, I can relate with your experience of walking into Atsa. I remember walking in, it was also on the Torah at the time. When I walked into the hot room, it was like, okay, this is definitely different. This is not any yoga studio I've been to. This is not a place to just do some postures. This is a place to actually practice yoga. Yeah. And through teacher training to understand the many different facets that it involves. And you mentioned earlier how deeply we want to go into religion. Our audience knows what we're about. So like the deeper we go into faith is, is, is the most important part. Jesus talked a lot about compassion, unconditional love. And I think about that as you're sharing with the kids, because here we have all, all of these people that are out in the world. There's been some research earlier. And it's insane. One out of five adults right now in America today are in some sort of way dealing with some mental health disorder. Mm -hmm. 40 million of them plus have a serious desire to commit suicide. Oh. That is insane. 40% yeah. of people in general are either in some sort of mental challenge or in the process of uh, getting off of some uh, antidepressant medication. So there's some real serious challenges that are going on right now in the world which I think that the past couple of years has taught us that we've been so disconnected from ourselves that of course we're going to be in this place of anxiety and depression, bringing it to what you were sharing before. We're, we're separated and in, in not living in the present because we're caught up in what could have been and what will be because of that we forget. It's, it's like we're fragmented. So to be able to bring the cohesiveness of presence, being able to move the body, be present with that, with the actual breath and to understand that through that movement and through that dance, which is a dance, that dance we can find a, a, a space of peace. Mm -hmm. Remember reading one simple thing and that book was so eye-opening because it was bringing in the physiological effects of yoga. And when I fully understood that from a scientific standpoint, the simple thing of focusing in on one thing, like even if you're just anxious or depressed, if you start to focus in on one thing, it starts to slow down the brain. You're no longer so agitated by it. You then add the breath, which literally turns on your parasympathetic system. And at that point, you're no longer in fight or flight and you're in a place of peace and restoration. You then add the movement to it to be able to actually get the energy out. And that's a recipe for peace. Totally. But a lot of people get so caught up in the fact that, again, now religion and the idea of, of contextualizing it or something like yoga for some people is like, oh, no, that's of the devil. Well, it's a science to what you were pointing to before. This is not a religion. It's a science and the science of mind allowing us to be present in the moment so we can be with other people in the world. What else could we possibly need instead of going out there, being addicted to some substance and trying to pretend that we're okay when in reality we're fragmented, broken, and in denial? Mm -hmm. Yoga. And I think a lot of that has to do with social media too. When oh, young, totally. The younger generations are going through that. Um, for sure, it's a lot of social pressure and it's sure. a lot of isolation. Mm -hmm. So literally, I know Tracy told me a story once um, about the two youngs that were like wanting to date, but like they were dating online apps so only yes. then they would meet in person. They couldn't talk. They know how to talk to each other. Really serious thing. It's yeah. kind of scary. Um, yeah, I see it all the time, even, even with adults, like friends that yeah. I know, 28, 29, 30 years old, and they're much more comfortable texting than being able to speak with one another. Yeah, yeah. And I even had a friend of mine too, a good friend of mine who said like her and her significant other, her partner, that they don't, they don't argue in person. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? You know, because I think there's this whole, this misconception around arguing too. Like, what's actually an argument? Are we just speaking passionately or is we really arguing? Like, things have to be spoken about. There has to be conversations. No doubt. Right? So, 
And I was like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, well, we, we, we only talk about that kind of stuff like on our phones. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, by the time he gets home, like we don't talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, it took like a day or two for me to really kind of like internalize <laughs> it. But I was like, yeah, no wonder. It's like all the serious, really important conversations they'll have on the phone. But in person, they won't have it. And like to me, that's just bizarre. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. judging her. Like I'm not in a relationship right now, so I don't really know what that's like. But like I feel like the awareness I have now is like that. No, those conversations are made to happen in person. Like mm-hmm. what is, is this the device in which we communicate through and then that's it? Like when we're in person, we act like nothing happened. I don't know. I don't know. No, it's I- like a third party almost. Um <laughs> But I think, you know, and that's kind of a little bit going off the subject, but when we talk about that phone and AI and and social media, they have literally become an extension of us, a living, breathing extension of us. You don't know who someone really is when you see their online persona. And I think, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and all his psychotic brilliance, that's what he's going off with the metaverse and everything, because we have this whole other persona, this whole whole other way of being that's connected to our hand. And the entire human race is completely and utterly addicted to it. No. Addicted to it. Um we we all are. It's no. the extension of of who we are at this point. Um and I think that you had just touched on it a little bit, but I think, you know, roping kind of yoga back into it all, the further that we drift from nature, the more sick and diseased we will become. Mm-hmm. And everything in our culture, because of that phone and because of those computers a lot, is keeping us from this natural cycle and this natural rhythm. We don't go outside anymore. We don't we don't gather and hunt our food. We don't cook our food. Mm -hmm. Heck, we don't even have to go to the grocery store anymore. We can just pick up a phone and somebody will bring it right to our house. We are we sit in, you know, manufacturally heated buildings we don't walk we drive cars like all of these things are pulling us further and further from nature and that is why the brain we're so far removed think about just going to the beach or just going to the mountains what that does for the entire system i mean you can ask across the board what people feel when they get out of their life and they go in nature and there's a reason for that because we are nature like we are a part of it and the further we pull ourselves out of this natural rhythm the more sick we're becoming and it's evident. I mean, just those stats that you said, it's it's staggering. Yeah. And it's it's we're so caught up in the the, the mayhem and the race mm-hmm. that we've forgotten who we are and who we are in nature. So I think what's really cool about yoga and the sister science of yoga, Ayurveda, mm-hmm. um, is about getting us back into that natural rhythm of nature, getting us in sync with the way things were designed to be. And in doing so, it brings so much peace to every aspect of you. When the body is clean and healthy and moving and you have vital breath and you're eating vital foods, it's amazing how the mind responds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like they say one habit affects the others. Totally. You, you take a one healthy habit, it's going to impact another. I know for me in the past, like if I were to not wake up and go to the gym, that day would be much easier for me to eat, go eat a burger. And don't get me wrong, I love me a cheeseburger. But like, I'm going to be mindful of when I do so. It's not, it's not just something that aimlessly and mindlessly going to do. Yeah. You bring up technology, I think, which I think is a massive uh, crux to right now, the mental health epidemic that we're seeing. Because we're losing touch with ourselves and the people around us. And we're caught up in these digital worlds that we think are reality. To your point, we have no idea who somebody is. 
Yeah. We may see the screen and it looks amazing and incredible, but I've literally had the, the, the experience of seeing somebody, meeting somebody that I look up to in the coaching space who like from the outside is like, wow, this woman's got everything under control. And I'm sitting down with her eating breakfast and she's telling, telling me she's at her lowest in her career in her life. Yeah. But her screen doesn't show that. So yeah. it's like for us, and especially the youth, the youth of today's and these yeah. worlds of comparison where we have a literal world in our pockets, it, it creates the sense of, of what's next? How can I get that? I want more. In all reality, all of that's an illusion at the end of the day. The only thing that matters is right now, bringing it back to yoga. Mm-hmm. You brought up before a conversation with a spouse, or maybe you have a conflict that you need to resolve and you turn to a text message. There's no way to emotionally uh, share an experience through written text. Like you can, you can only get so much out of that. The, the, the tone, the speed, all of that makes such an emoji. You have so many people that are caught up in just the behind the text. And that for, for anybody listening, if that's you, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't make yourself wrong. This is not about shaming. It's about you understanding that those conversations are in fact the ones that have brought learning at the closest. Those conversations that we don't want to have, those conversations have built the strongest relationships. And not just in a spouse, I can say that with probably six of my best friends who we've dealt with stuff and we're open enough and we're vulnerable and we honor each other where, hey, this isn't working. Let's have a direct conversation. Yeah. Not to make you wrong, but there's something that right now doesn't work and maybe together we can create some sort of solution around it. Yeah. That creates bonds. That creates friendship. It creates a sense of trust. That, yeah. Sure, a text message, maybe you can put the right emoji and you can, okay, like maybe she's happy, but what is really going on? Yeah. That conversation is so important. Bring back yoga into the picture. As you were sharing that, I was thinking about being like upside down in like moonbows. Like this is so uncomfortable, but I can breathe through that. And I remember the first time I was able to translate my yoga practice into day-to-day life. Yeah. When I was in sales, it would show up so much because as I was going through a sales transaction, I'm going through the process of closing, like my body would immediately close up. It was like, oh, this is where my yoga comes and I can breathe. And I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to, like there's no sense for fear here. This is just my body's instinctual reaction to go into fight or flight, survival. I don't have to go into that. I can just go into a breath. And then that to be able to bring myself back to presence. Yeah, sure. Yoga definitely builds resilience. Um, it strengthens that mind-body connection. Uh, it brings you into the present moments that you're able to actually process what it is that you're feeling and thinking, right? Rather than just responding like we always do. So what our brain does is we have an experience. And then the mammal part of our brain creates a memory and then it associates a feeling with that memory. And so anytime something happens that's even remotely close to that previous experience we've had in the past, that same emotion is triggered. So it creates this cycle and then we respond like we always respond before we even know that what's really happening, right? So it's like if I'm getting into a tit for tat with you and I haven't spoken to you yet, I'm already thinking about how I'm going to respond to you based on how I think you're going to act. Mm. And I haven't even acted yet. Mm. So we're already showing up that way and that creating and reinstilling those patterns over and over and over again. And that's what yoga does with the neuroplasticity. It helps to create new memories, yeah. new neural pathways where we're able to establish, okay, this is not working for me. And this is, wor- this is what I'm going to you know, institutionalize now that will help me to respond better in the future. So I think it's super important um, that it, it, it gets spread out into the community as much as possible. And now I'm not saying it's a cure to mental health. There are some people who are clinically yeah. diagnosed with mental health issues that I would even venture to say that require that they'd be on medication at least for some period of time to help stabilize. So not at all am I saying, and this is a disclaimer, that yoga yeah. is a cure for mental health illness. 
but I do help that I do believe that it helps to alleviate or to um, relieve some of those um, symptoms that we get, the symptomology of the the mental health, the anxiety, um, the tensing up the body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the depression, some depression. Like I, I was talking to a student that came up to me on Sunday and said, hey, you know what? I, I just want to let you know that I started coming to yoga three or four times a week and I noticed that I don't even want to drink anymore. Wow. And he's like, and I'm not, he's like, I'm not saying, he's like, I'm not saying I'm never going to drink again. He's like, but what I'm sharing with you is that I literally, that craving to drink is going away. And it kind of turns into what you were just saying is that when you, when you create one new behavior, one new pattern, another one builds on top of that, right? So, so it's like you start doing yoga and then all of a sudden you start to notice how poor you feel when you do drink alcohol. Do you know what I mean? You wake up the next morning, you're like, ew, like this doesn't feel good. And then you stop drinking. So now you stop going to those places where you used to drink and you stop needing not to judge those people sure. who are drinking every day. So now the people you're hanging out with such a, and it just creates one ripple effect after the other. And, and it's all to raise the awareness, which is one thing that, you know, um, Western science hasn't really understood yet or, you know, explained yet is what consciousness is, mm-hmm. right? So um, a lot of these things that we talk about or we're trying to talk about now that are not being talked about previously, they're found in the scriptures and in the the spiritual and philosophical disciplines of yoga. And it's like, wow, they figured this out like 2,500 years ago. Mm. You know, like we have the term praptipakshabhavanam, which is to replace a negative with a positive, mm. right? So to to insert the equal opposite emotion, mm. right? And now now they have this thing called CBT recovery, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is essentially that, yeah, right? But it's just that they've been doing that in yoga. Yeah, like, it's the base of all psychology and all sociology. Like literally when you read modern psychology books and everything now, you're like, yoga, because my husband jokes every time i'm re- re- reading something like some new scientific thing and i'm like it's yoga he's like it's yoga <laughs> but it is <laughs> and even when their people are just coming to do asana they may not realize it but they're getting all those other benefits too yeah. so even if we're not conscious of it there's other variables that are taking place that we may not always be aware of and if if someone gets it like you said you wish you from teachers were teaching those things it's like it's almost like leaving that space for the person to figure it out on their own. Yeah. If you're gonna get it, you're gonna get it. If you're not gonna get it, I could tell you to your blue in the face. Yeah. It's not, you know what I mean? You're either yeah. there or you're not. But yeah. the therapeutic qualities of the Austin practice, I do feel totally. they're there whether someone's there for them or not. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I think the other thing about yoga that's so cool is um the sense of empowerment that it gives you. You know, we have a lot a lot of people do turn to yoga. When they're suffering with mental health illnesses, whether it be anxiety or depression, you know, there's enough research out there now and enough people talking about it that people are like, okay, I'm going to try it. Um, And I think what's so cool about the actual science of yoga and the the practices of it is it's literally tangible tools that you're like, oh, I can do that. Mm. And when I do that, this is going to happen. Whereas before, you're not necessarily in our in our Western medical system. You're not necessarily empowered to believe that you can change. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh well, you're like this, and it's okay that you're like this, which it is. But mm-hmm. you know, they don't give you these practical steps and tools. Except that now, I think a lot of doctors are probably saying, go find a yoga class, find therapists. Yes. Yep. So I think that conjunction, you know, um, having yoga be an adjunct of therapy and of mental health treatment is really, really powerful because it's um, 
you know, even with religion, you know, I always say that for me, like I knew that there were things I needed to surrender in my life. I knew that I wanted to hear the voice of God in my life, but I couldn't figure out how because I was making wrong decisions and living a poor lifestyle over and over and over. But I didn't see that connection because religion doesn't like touch on the depth of it that much or the practical steps, the science of it. And so for me, when I learned these, this whole pathway that is yoga, this way of living, it was like, oh, that's how. Mm. That's how Ishvara Pranidhana, divine surrender. Oh, mm. you do study the true self when you're in yoga and you do study the ancient spiritual texts mm. because those are the people who've gone before us. Everything that we're going through, the people before us have gone through. So why would we not listen to their paths and, and to their experiences? Um, so I think that just the, the, the empowerment that yoga can give someone who's in a dark place of giving them that hope. Yeah. Um, and then Asa in particular, you know, we are different than a yoga studio. Totally, totally different. And I think that um, that sense of community that we have mm-hmm. is something that is really transformative for people because, you know, loneliness is one of the greatest epidemics of our time. Because yeah. again, that phone is not real relationships. It's not real. It's not a real connection. It's not real. And so to be able to come to a community where there's events going on that don't involve drinking, that don't involve the fake you, that are just the raw come as you are, and let's listen to music and sing and dance and do yoga and and give back and walk in community walks together. It's a big deal. And it's really transformative to be a part of such an uplifting community. And they say that we're all a mirror, right? Mm. When you're part of a group like this and that mirror is shown on you, it's like, oh... I am that person. I, I am. I do have joy inside me still, even though it's so covered up, I can't find it, you know? And that's all yoga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That practice to really take away all those layers that allow us to dive into that authentic yeah. true self. Yeah. So deep, when you talk about community, I couldn't help but think about, well, when you were just saying that they're raw, authentic selves, I thought about one of our classes and I was just sitting next to somebody and I was sweating all over and my sweat was going on through their mat. And this is like class were really tight and it was like Saturday morning. So it was like, we know a lot of people get in there. And I was like, man, I'm sorry. He's like, bro, I get it. It's like, it is what it is. It's like, how can we not create? And we became friends after that because I'm sorry for, I almost poked my, I almost poked in the boat with my, with my toe at one point as we were doing a pose. And how could we not get connected after an experience like that? We literally just yeah. sweat onto each other's mats. We got connected at a physical level. Well, now let's just get to know each other and connect with one another. Which to what you were pointing to, the, the loneliness. I think the world of today, a lot of us for, don't realize that there's a lot of power in solitude, but there's also a lot of harm in loneliness. Yeah. And a lot of people can find loneliness being surrounded by people. And that's actually the worst. Total space. The worst kind. Yeah. They have friends around them, but the values they don't align. Yeah, correct. And typically it becomes because they're not open. They're afraid to open up and be connected at a genuine level. But the moment you get into, for example, a group of men, and you have one person, one man that opens up vulnerably and you can feel the energy in the room changes. Mm-hmm. Other, other people start saying things that maybe they wouldn't have said before. Mm-hmm. Just that one ripple, that one stone of vulnerability can create a massive effect. Mm-hmm. And again, for us, with what we're doing here, specifically with helping people get better and finding their true selves and diving into a space of peace, that's what we're here for. So if you're in the South Florida area and you want to come and experience community at a deeper level, come to Ata. Yeah. Come see what's going on here. There's a lot of stuff that is happening. There's a lot of uh, ways to connect with the community. If you want to join the NAMI Walk, come and join. Come and join and, and join the Ata group. We're here to just bring 
awareness to the stigma that is right now, it's lifting, lifting, but it's still present. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we're all responsible one person at a time to take our actions on that we can, we can all do a, make a difference. Even if it's a small one, it's still a difference nonetheless. Yeah. And if you have, uh, if you're part of or work for an organization in um, Broward County and Delray Beach and West Palm Beach, that uh, is looking for somebody to come in and facilitate yoga, meditation, um, sound healing. Sound healing. We would love to work with you guys. So you can find our email um, on the website and shoot us an email. You can contact us through Instagram. Um, Just get in touch with us and we would love to see how we can work with your organization and bring the healing modalities to you guys who may not have access to that resource normally. and also, too, we're here in this beautiful retreat house yes. that's on property. We're on how many acres? Three and a half acres. I think. Three and a half acres of just garden and loveliness and sunshine most of the time here in Florida. Woo! Lucky you live in Florida. Yes. Uh, and if you're interested in coming and checking it out, you can also um, contact us to do that. Yep. Come take a class. Yeah. Come take Kundalini. Yeah, we have sound baths every Friday. We have curtains. Um, we have kids yoga. We have an amazing holistic spa mm-hmm. right on site, right there with the retreat house. Um, so if you have a group of friends and you want to come stay a couple days and come to yoga and go to get some amazing healing spa treatments done, you can do that too. But um, it's really, really a special place, whether you feel like doing yoga six days a week or not, you know, the, the community itself and all the offerings that it has is really for everybody. Yeah, special, super special. So as we come to a close, I want to explore what are what is one practice that you would say has supported you so far, even in the day-to-day that can allow you, maybe something happens because life happens and we get activated. What supports you in bringing yourself back to a space of regulation? So I would say that the physical practice is very big for me. Um, you know, and I just want to remind everyone that the different forms of yoga are just different ways to transmute the energy, right? To transcend whatever it is that you're experiencing. Um, so I find that the physical practice, which includes breath work, but also chanting mantra really helps me. So if I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling like I can't focus, um, or I feel like a little bit of anxiety coming on for something big that's coming up that I'm about to be a part of, um, I'll chant mantra and that helps me. And even if I only do it for like two minutes, right? Let's say I'm in the car and I'm like, okay, you know, I only have two or three minutes and I'll chant mantra and it really helps me to like mm. lower down, simmer down, calm my body, calm my mind, get refocused. Um, and then too, like I'm super, um, I energize most of the time. So the physical practice really helps me to get out a lot. Got it. Yeah, absolutely. I obviously love the physical practice of yoga and it has changed my life over and over for 20 years. But I would say in my actual day-to-day and dealing with the physiological aspects of stress, um, coming from a background of really hurting myself physically because of my chaotic life and my stress level, um, that the breath has Mm. completely just completely just changed every aspect of that for me. So when my muscles start tightening, when my body starts going into the physiological things it used to do when I was a stressed out maniac, I can now breathe and immediately bring awareness to, nope, this is what your body is doing. So let's change it. Prati Praksha Bhavana. What can I bring in right now 
that's going to settle it. And um, so that's been really powerful just in a day to day, like, and no longer get panic attacks. Um, starting the day from a grounded position, starting the day with breath work and meditation rather than just getting up and running off and letting everything just run like crazy. Mm. You know, starting from a place of grounding and breath is it's just a really powerful practice that has Mm, so powerful. So powerful. What about you? Listen, oh man, I mean. And all the work you and Lauren are doing with Awakening Bodies. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we're doing some incredible work. I'm so excited, so grateful. The community continues to grow. There's so many opportunities opening up. We're committed to really being able to be a support to people within our own space. And that obviously, as everybody listening knows, high performance, intuitive living, holistic health. Mm-hmm. So the the practice of yoga, the, the, the reading of scripture, all of this, the building of community, the self-study, com- sure. Getting uncomfortable, it's, it really has supported me in understanding that it's never about what anybody does, it's how I respond to what happens. And all of that journey is just... just Not attachment. That's a process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a process of growth. That's your question for me. Um, I'll combine them both because the movement, of course, I mean, that's so supportive to me. The breath, of course, when I'm feeling like I'm activated, I'm like in a place of maybe anxiety or I feel my energy's off, I'll leave my technology behind. I'll go take a walk. Yeah. And the walk is intended with one thing, to connect with my breath and my movement which is very similar to actually being right. in an asana practice. Yeah. That's really what it is. So if you're listening and you catch yourself in these spaces, you don't have to go into a yoga studio. You don't have to go and sit down for breath work. Yes, both of those two things, they're amazing. I encourage you to go check them out at some point in time. But maybe you can just go for a walk. Yeah. Maybe you can start to connect with the, with the environment around you. Maybe you've forgotten that there's a beautiful tree out your, your front yard. See on the ground, yeah. <laughs> One of my mentors always has to be, what if every single day of your life was your first day of your life? And it's just a great reminder. Even if the people that I meet, the people that I'm with, what if these individuals, I'll meet them for the first time today, even though I've known you guys for, let's say, three years now, but what would happen if? It's like, it's a big reminder, non-attachment. Mm-hmm. Completely new experience of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Thank you both. Thank you for such a powerful conversation. Providing the space, the time, the energy for us to get on here and to share about the things that we love with people that we love. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love you too. And anybody interested, there's going to be some links at the bottom for NAMI Walk. Come join the walk and let's support mental health and helping people get back their mental health. Yeah. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to follow, like, and subscribe to stay updated on future episodes. And we would love to know how you enjoyed today's episode by leaving us a review. We look forward to continuing this journey of self-discovery and connection with you, and we'll see you on the next episode. Much love.